Guess who's back, 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 back again, again, again. Yep, yep, yep. It is me, your girl Maria from the Lounge Podcast. I am so excited to be here. And yo, I know it's been a minute. Like, guys, I I know it's been a minute. But I wasn't about to give you any Zoom quality podcast. I wanted to wait until the studio's open. So I'll be back in the studio giving you guys the quality stuff with quality guests. But I'm happy to be here. But before we go on, I need to tell you guys about an amazing app that's sponsoring this podcast episode today. Um, This app is called Casala App. Casala App is an emergency alert and tracking app. Using the latest location and GPS service, tracking technology casella allows you to select emergency contacts that can respond when you or any of your loved ones are in distress so if you go on www.casalaapp.com i'll spell that for you casella is k-a-s-a-l-a app yeah dot com <laughs> um casella app is specially built to render a quick response to rape victims armed robbery kidnapping domestic violence etc it protects your family and friends take safety into your own hands today download casella app for free on ios and android or just look at instagram casella app um k-a-s-a-l-a-a-p-p on instagram or any of your main social media networks i've downloaded it myself um to be fair with all the craziness that's happened with sarah everett with people getting stalked in the streets getting killed left right and center i want to be in a situation if anyone was stalking me i could send my exact location to my husband or my best friend or whoever i want to be in a situation where i could you know the minute i press a button my phone starts recording the entire situation like visual 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 footage of the entire situation i want to be in a situation where if someone wants to approach me i can press a button that will do a fake call and then the person will think i'm calling the police or i'm calling my husband whoever and these are all the features that casala app has and i think it's super amazing so please go into it now and download it. It's available globally. Um, so long as you've got a mobile phone, a smartphone with GPS, you can download it. So um, yeah, please do. So in today's episode, we're going to be sitting down with this amazing woman that I know, her name is Shay, and we're going to listen to her story. Um, Shay has been through so much in life, and I wanted to do a couple of episodes where we speak about um, people that are able to overcome the most traumatic experiences in life and still make it great. Um, because I think, as I said before in season one, a lot of us are borderline traumatized from 2020, right? And as much as some of you want me to do a more lighter, ha ha, he he, you know, easy commute sort of podcast episode, which will come, don't worry. I wanted to do two episodes speaking about um, two amazing people that I know that have overcome the most craziest things that anyone could ever experience. Ever experience. And I'm hoping that it would inspire someone out there um, that might be going through something or maybe you know someone that's going through something and um, just let you know that there's always a light after the darkness. There's always a peace after the storm. But yeah, listen, let me just go straight into it. So sit back, take a glass of Moscato or a glass of water or a glass of wine or whatever it is that you drink, super malts for all I care, and get ready for a whole bunch of honesty. Stay tuned. We are here with another guest. And I'm here with my girl Shay. Hi Shay. Hey. So um last time we sat here, we spoke about how we're gonna go through this sort of um theme for the next couple of episodes. And we're gonna talk about basically how to overcome trauma 
as a woman um in this world where this world can be so messed up guys but anyway um how we overcome trauma how we get through it and how we're able to sort of like um figure out our personal identity in the midst of the most horrible situations um some of us have been going through trauma since the beginning of this whole lockdown whether it is um very you know um very, whether it's mental trauma, whether it is something more personal, like maybe you've lost someone that you love or you knew someone that has corona and it's been impacted in their life, whether it's the whole racial tension that's been going on or whatever the situation is, I feel like it is really, really important for us to discuss how we can go through this healing process because everybody talks about trauma but nobody really goes to tell you how you can maneuver your way out of the tangle the entanglement of it um and i'm just so happy to have shay i've known shay for years man but you know when you know someone but you don't really really know somebody and then you read their book and like what shay you mean through this <laughs> i was like what so this girl shay yeah i'm not even gonna go into too much detail but she has a book and um, what's the name of your book again um it's called love back to life loved back to life is amazon isn't it it's on amazon yeah and i remember reading it i remember thinking no shay like you didn't tell me this you didn't tell me you're going through all of this but it is so good to have you here it is Thank amazing you so much for having me Maria. it's amazing and i feel like um i don't want to i don't want to like speak your story only you can tell your own story but why don't you tell us um the beginning and mm. wherever you think the beginning is and then we and then we just all make our way through it like that doesn't make any sense yeah. at all so um, yeah so how old are you first of all let's I'm, start like that i'm 31 31 yes, cool cool 31 cool. and six months oh. <laughs> <laughs> i was like it was a few days ago i was just like oh, i'm six months wow yeah. you're looking so good you know i can't, oh, I can't even lie you. you look exactly the same way you look back in uni really hands down oh, i've gained weight gosh. i've gained all that baby weight you oh, look so exactly the same. back and forth but you know what <laughs> this thank god i look like this because in uni though yeah. i looked the same yeah. i was so broken on the inside oh, so i'm definitely bless. a better person today lovely so lovely God. lovely stuff so yeah. so yeah where did it begin for me really and truly i feel like my life started as a turmoil from the womb <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> without me realizing mm. because you know my mom got pregnant and obviously my dad was like nah they're not you know they don't mm. want to be an item anymore and obviously that caused the rejection on my mom's side which i guess I end up inheriting, inheriting, or mm. I guess it, it transferred over to me the emotional rejection yeah. straight from the womb. So you know, my mom had me, then she got married about a year and a half later, I guess, and then to a different man, to a different man, yeah. Mm. So um, she ended up having two children with him, but then within that marriage, there was a few, you know, unfaithfulness and um, domestic violence, and mm. also I kind of felt rejected a- again from him just because he you know, used to call me bastard whenever they had um, arguments Arguments. and stuff like that. And did you know he was not your dad? I didn't know, actually. I didn't know that he wasn't my dad, if I'm being honest. But it made sense years down the line why I was being called bastard. Mm. And, you know, I only found out when, unfortunately, when I was about seven, my mum got sick and, um, you know, she was diagnosed with cancer. So, Mm. you know, within that year, she just deteriorated and I ended up being the one looking after my mom and at seven at seven yeah and you know he wasn't her <sighs> husband wasn't always you know around mm-hmm. so you know I felt like I took the responsibility of looking after her and it just got to a point where she got really sick and she was put into hospital um <coughs> by the time I was eight I guess and mm. she just never came out oh. you know so I think in the times leading to the point that they thought basically they told her that I don't, they don't think she's going to live long. So I think in that place, her friends 
encouraged her to let me know the truth about who, about your dad who my was. dad is. So I found out that my real dad, I found out about my real dad when my mom was in hospital. Wow. So I remember at them, eight. At eight, yeah. So I remember sitting down when, you know, me and my siblings and my stepdad at the time, obviously, um, was there. But they let them go and said, Shay, stay behind. So I remember sitting with my mom and my mom's best friend. And they were like, you know, that man is not your dad. Jane is your dad. And I thought, then that's when I clocked that my surname is different from my brother's. Oh, you know, and yeah. it's weird because as an eight-year-old, you just don't you don't put two and two together. You don't together. put two and two together. And I mm. clocked. I said, "Oh wow, okay, that you know, that's not your dad." I was like, "Okay," and that's how I was told. Mm. And I remember going home that day with my stepdad, looking at him, thinking, "So you're not my dad." Mm. And then everything just started to make sense. But I'm thinking I'm eight, but I was able to process. Yeah. Well, I guess I wasn't fully processing, but it something clicked, thinking, "Ah, oh, it makes sense why he calls me." bastard here and there wow um so that's how i found out about my real dad um mm. and then you know unfortunately on christmas day my mom passed away that's sad man. um yeah so i remember going to the hospital and I, you know between the times that my mom was in hospital there was a lot of instability because everyone had to look after us in different different households because obviously if my mom's in hospital her husband has to work yeah you know so there was no one to stay with us. So we were staying at either aunties or uncles or cousins, like wow. just moving about all sorts. So I remember being all the way in Acton Christmas day with one of my aunties mm. and, you know, calling my auntie to say, bring the kids to the hospital now, mm. you know, but obviously by the time we got there, she had gone. You know, it's crazy that you say, my daughter is eight years old mm. and you are a child at eight. Yeah. Nah, it's, it's, I can't, I can't imagine you. I can't, I can't imagine, God forbid, I can't imagine my daughter having to carry such, such a weight you find out that you're, that you're who you've been calling daddy all this time is not your dad yeah and you find and your mom is not feeling well and you're being moved from auntie to uncle uncle to auntie mm. that's a lot to to take how do you how do you even start to process that when you're eight it's funny you know because i think i didn't realize the magnitude of what took place as an eight-year-old until um one of my friends has um her her child turned eight a few i think it was last year and just watching her grow, I've seen I've seen her grow for years. And looking at her as an eight-year-old, for some reason, I felt like something hit me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how much it was going to affect me, knowing that if I'm seeing my daughter's child as an eight-year-old, and looking at that was me, mm. my heart broke. Yeah. And I thought, wow, Shay, like... You went through You shit. were a baby. Baby. Like, you know, like... But to think of the things that actually took place after that, mm. you know, even seemed like it got worse. Oh, it just God. made me think like, your child, wow. Your childhood was literally snatched. It was, it, it didn't, it was not, it was, it was non-existent really. That's how I see it. And I, and I think one of the things I was, I've always been fighting was, I'm never going to get that, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I had to learn to let go of the reality that I'll never get my childhood back yeah. and learn to move forward. And I think that was a journey in itself, if I'm being honest, like, mm-hmm. you know, I had to accept that rather than staying in the past, Shay, start to anticipate for the future. Mm. Your children will enjoy the childhood you never had. <sighs> and I think that's what's helped me to fully let go of mm. what I'll never get, you know? And I guess even the whole father daughter relationship where I like see people wanting you know, talking about their dads or seeing how much they're loved by their fathers. And, you know, years down the line, yes, I got adopted with um, one of my mum's best friends. And it was fine living in that household for, you know, the first few years. But then years down the line, it did get a bit hard. And obviously it was a bit more obvious that I was the, you know, yeah. the sore thumb. I didn't look like anyone, yeah. you know. So let's, 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 let's pull it back a bit. You mentioned something that was so, that is quite triggering for me. You mentioned mm. how... Um, at some point you realize that 
you had to grieve the loss of the childhood that you never had. Mm. And then the way you were able to sort of um, move from that is mm. to basically plan for the child that you're going to give your kids. Mm. So you guys that were here last week, you guys heard my amazing mom, Mama G, and she was talking the same. My mom's gone through similar mm. thing where she lost both her parents and so on. Wow. And one of the things I remember her telling me growing up was how, because she didn't have her mom with her, and she grieved that, that knowledge of my mom's my mom's parents that when she was like three years old basically. Wow. Um she's always told herself that she will be that active mom, mm. that really involved mom in her kids' life. And in a way, that's sort of like even with me, like that's I've lost my dad at the age of mm. eleven and I've and I've missed that you know, relationship. And I know I'm not my kid's dad, mm. but I feel like it's something that's made me be like, you know what, the way I could, the best way I can, I could make this right mm. is by making sure that with my kids, I'm a hundred percent active. I stay healthy. I yeah. do what I can. Mm. So, um, your mom passes away in Christmas day. Yeah. What happens now? So at this point, everyone's like, okay, where does she go? Mm. Because at this point, um, my mom, didn't want to leave me. She already made a request. She didn't want me to stay with her husband. And obviously, because her husband was having an affair, mm. she didn't want me to be in the... You didn't, she didn't think you'd be safe with she, him. Yeah, she didn't think I would be safe in that environment, knowing that she was, I guess, the mistress's enemy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and mm. obviously, I'm not his child, so they could yes, do anything to, to me. Yeah. So she, you know, asked her friends and say, look, whatever happens, don't let Shay stay there. So when she passed away, people had to sit down, all the aunties had to come together and say, where do we, where do we put Shay? You know, one of the decisions was to either take me back to Nigeria where her dad lives and her siblings, or to take me to America where one of her siblings lives there and lived there and um, either one of her friends in the UK. So when they looked at everything, they thought, mm, actually, she should go back to her biological dad. He's got mm. like he needs to take up the responsibility. Mm. The mom's no longer here. Yeah. They need to go get the get they need to go get the man. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they managed to speak to me and say, look, you're gonna we're gonna take you to your dad's house. Like my biological father, this man I've never met before. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm automatically now going to go and live with someone I don't know. That is your dad. That's my dad. So yeah. that's how but I remember at the time because my dad was known as a wealthy man, popular in Nigeria, um they used materialistic things to say, look, when you're 18, he'll buy you a car, he'll do this, mm. he lives in a big house. But obviously as an eight-year-old, you're like, oh, you know, my mom did as much as she could, but we didn't have much money. So yeah. I knew what it was not to have. Yes. So I think as a child thinking, oh, car, this, this, this sounds good. Okay, let's go. I don't know where I'm going, but okay. So I agreed to go to this place that they told me I'm and you've going been, to. And you've been separated from your my two, two brothers. brothers. So my two brothers are with their dad now, isn't mm. it? So... I feel like that relationship was already like severed, yeah. severed from mm. that point. Um, and then, so I went to live with my biological dad mm. um, and it was, <laughs> it was hell. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Because the person he was married to didn't like me, didn't mm. want to accept me and didn't want to accept the reality that her husband has another child from somewhere else. Mm. But in actual that would be older than any of her children. Yeah, and I'm the I'm actually the first. I'm actually his first child mm. because um, I guess when he married her, she also had a child, mm. and I guess he she had other children with my dad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it was that idea of she wants all her kids to be in the same place. Who's this person that's come into the mix? Yeah. So unfortunately, living there, I was being beaten. Oh God. You know, psychologically abused, strangled digging her nails in my neck what saying she's gonna kill me the promises of me being able to speak to like the people i knew in hackney because that's where i grew up it got taken away from me so i wasn't able to speak oh, to anyone so you were isolated i was, I was oh, with no. these men and i was put in another school so it's just like i was like 
I don't know any of the people in this house. They're apparently my brothers and sisters. Yeah. And I don't know my dad. I don't know this woman, but everyone's horrible to me. Oh, and no. So I went through a lot of things there. Not I think I remember her. I think you wrote about in your book, or oh, I saw it somewhere about the school. They used to make you, they put you in like um. Yeah, so it was like, so it's weird because obviously like, I remember being in a class and I think maybe when I look back, I'm thinking as an eight-year-old, I probably was mute. Like the yeah. trauma, the shock was there where I wasn't talking much. So yeah. I, I sometimes wonder, is that why they put me in a class where was it had people with a lot of you know, special Disability. needs, disabilities? And then my sister... Obviously, there's only six months apart from us, so mm-hmm. my dad's daughter as well. But obviously they just the woman, be, they just discovered. I just discovered we're in the same class, but they put her in the normal in the class, normal class yeah. and then they put me in the class where you Special have people that are sitting next to you. To, and I'm thinking, I was I was talking, but clearly they just didn't get to know me as an individual. So I remember just wondering what is going how, on. So you, how you do you? Oh my god, I'm 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 trying to. I'm, I think every time you say something, I'm thinking this is someone that was that's my daughter's age, right? You just mm. lost your mom. You just find out that your your dad is not your dad. You've you've now been pushed to another man's house, a stranger <laughs> yeah. that apparently is your dad. Mm. And your dad discovered that you have a whole bunch of brothers and sisters that you never knew. Yeah. And your dad and his wife is treating you like rubbish. Literally like Cinderella story, isn't it? Yeah, treating you like horrible. <laughs> and they're now trying to get you to think that you are you have learning disabilities when you know you don't have learning yeah. disabilities. That is it, mad. It was crazy. Shame. And it got to a point where I was just like, you know, I wasn't eating like what they were eating. I remember being given ready break or quote, is it Quaker oats, no, oatmeal quaker, yeah oatmeal that kind of stuff and i don't like i don't like that mm. but i remember that's all i ate there and then mm. i remember when they were eating like toast and bacon jam, oh all this kind gosh. of stuff i never had you know it, I, I just don't even know how it, it was allowed to happen but i remember just not eating what they ate and i started to lose weight i was they didn't the hair that i took the i it wasn't done like i was very malnourished and just wasn't I wasn't good, man. And then I literally got to a point, I don't know where I muttered the strength to say I want to go back oh. because the threats, the death threats, like it got to a point where I remember something went missing in the fridge and orange juice. And obviously, because they know that I'm being <laughs> deprived from the nice things, yeah. they automatically thought it was the woman, my dad's wife and her own mom. They ganged up against me and they literally beat me till I said I took the orange juice. But obviously, as an eight-year-old, I'm thinking, yo, these people are going to keep beating me until, you admit. until I admit. And I'm thinking, I know I didn't take it, but I'm going to take it if it means me leaving that you situation. know, leaving the situation where it will, it could almost cost me in my life. Mm. And I remember when they found out it was actually the son that took it, you know, that, but obviously they didn't care. Like they didn't, they didn't they, apologize. They, they, I think they just projected their own anger. I'll come to, to the mic. Yeah. You know, they, they just projected their own um, frustration, frustration on, on me really. So mm. it just got to a point where I was just like, nah, I want to go back to Hackney. Like wow. take me back to where you brought me from. And <sighs> I remember her telling me, if you say, cause my dad was always busy like mm. he's a businessman he was always out so my dad wasn't actually present when all of this stuff was happening mm. but i guess having someone that is your daughter in the house you didn't really make the effort to, to get to know her to get to know me mm. and i guess he left me in the safety of his own wife knowing that she would treat me as her own but unfortunately that wasn't the case so one of the things he told one thing she told me was when i requested to go back to hackney she said if you tell your dad anything that happened i'll kill you huh. so i remember having to sit down in the living room and they recorded me saying I want to go back to Hackney. <laughs> that is so toxic. Um, they recorded you. Yeah, I remember they got the camera out to basically prove that they didn't bring me back. I said I wanted to come back. Um, and that was like maybe nearly six months after, I believe. So how old were you at this time? I was still eight. So this oh, was still, still eight. Yeah, so this was, as in, my mom died in December. I was in my dad's house in January. 
Oh my god! <laughs> you know, so I think even not being able to grieve properly yeah. was something that I guess caught up with me in my adult years eventually, yeah. you know, because it just wasn't something that I was able to process Do, properly. Yeah. So I think I was just in a mode of shock. Um, but yeah, they they took me back. I remember even on an, oca- on an, on an occasion where I got taken to the hospital to get a blood test and I, I was hearing conversations saying, they're doing a DNA test. I think she just wants to prove to see is this woman, is this girl really my husband's child? So they did a DNA test on you? I believe so, yeah. Um, and These people are toxic. It was weird. It was weird. But anyway, I went back to Hackney now and obviously the state at which I was seen by, I guess, which are now my adopted parents, they were shocked that this is not the child we gave you. This girl has lost so much weight. So your mom's friends? My mom's friend, yeah. She was like, this hair that we did for her, you still kept it in. She mm. still has the same hair that, you know, and obviously as a kid, I didn't really have good hair anyway. So mm. my hair got very messy mm. very quickly. So you could imagine the state I was looking looking like. So I remember just being told to go downstairs and there was an argument with all the adults. I don't know what was going on. Mm. And then ever since then, that's when my mum's best friend, I guess, took it upon her to say, you know what, I'm going to take her as mine. You know, mm. so they became my legal guardian. So that was nice for a few years of just having some sort of stability. Yeah of staying in the same place. Obviously, I don't know. I, my brother, my brothers are with their dad, but obviously because of what happened in the marriage, I think uh, they were ostracized with their dad yeah. where people didn't want to talk to the oh. dad knowing that, you know, while my mom was sick, this man was cheating on someone, her. you know. And uh, and then that, just, and you weren't able to connect with your brothers that no, you grew up with because no, of that. No, yeah. So my brothers were six and four at the time. So oh. I was eight. So yeah. So like, yeah, just I started a new life, you know, with my mm. My, my new family and it was good for the first few years of just I feel like crying just hearing this you know I swear oh honestly the good thing is thank god that from what's happened things have changed you mm. know what I mean so you know it sounds so bad or whatnot but all I can say is I'm sitting here testifying that things are better so I'm there seeing you in uni just thinking of you and not even having a slightest clue that you've been through all of this oh, and it's gosh, crazy yeah. it, sometimes I wonder but I'm just so thankful to still be here to be able to tell the tale. Yeah. And it's not even just telling the story, it's just telling how much God has brought me from Fruit. that place. You know, so I'm, you know, I'm now in a place where I'm in a loving family. And and let's, let's let's rewind. Let's go back before we lose track. So your mom's best friend takes you in. Yeah. Things are good for a few years. Yeah. Stabilize. Yeah. They are like, like you have a home. I have a home, yeah. Then what happens? Um, Things we're fine with my like obviously in terms of me and my mom's best friend there was nof- never any issues between us if i'm being honest mm. but the issue more so was my adopted father mm. you know so there was just a lot of i don't know emotional physical abuse but i think he was just a very strict person in general so mm. it wasn't just me getting beats and whatnot mm. my other siblings too mm. um were getting in trouble but there was just something about him and me that just just Did was a, there was just something that just wasn't Mm. yeah that didn't click I don't know it's just as if he hated me mm. you know and I don't know what it was and he just made my life hell you mm. know and you know got into my teenage years and then I just started to get I guess molested by him and mm. you know I, I just found some sort of safety in my academics because I felt like that was the only time I was recognized or noticed you know I felt like ever since I lost my mom I wasn't anyone's priority I was always number two so yeah. I just always found ways to get love in by by performance. Mm. So, you know, I became very domesticated. So I was the one who would always clean the house, mm. would cook and do all that kind of stuff, which gave me the praises that or the love that I was yearning for. Yeah. But 
as a child and being an adult. Mm. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Where yeah. rather than me being around, playing yeah. around and mm. stuff. And I did have those moments of playing around and whatnot. But I realized that whenever I got into trouble, he would say, you're so ungrateful. We took you where no one else did. And that used to always bother me because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, I'm a child, like, I make mistakes just like my siblings. Why is it every time I do something wrong, you're always saying I'm ungrateful for taking you in? I'm, I'm ungrateful that how could I do this? I'm ungrateful. I'm thinking, I'm not. Or you go around telling people that you're adopted. I'm thinking, no, I don't. Mm. But I didn't know how else to prove it because they don't go to school with me. They don't mm. go out with me. But it seemed like I, I was living to prove this. I'm a good girl. I can, you know, don't worry when I'm a millionaire, I'll pay you back for mm. taking me in. I, I, almost felt, I almost felt like I was indebted to, to them. Mm. And... You know, it, it, it just didn't allow me to be myself. I felt like I was always walking on eggshells. I wasn't at peace. And then obviously the reality of I don't have my mom. So I was missing her knowing that, oh gosh, if my mom was alive today, I won't be going through what I'm going through now. Mm. You know, if my mom was here. And I just remember my mom loved me, mm. you know, like she was so proud of me, you know, mm. and the way she would go around, hey, she did this, she did that. I never heard that anymore. Mm. And no one, I, n I never saw anyone take such pride in who I was. Mm. So for me, it was me trying to, mm. I guess, make up for that in different ways. You know, like mm. I said, my academics and, you know, being a well-behaved child as much as I can anyway, because mm. as, as a kid, you're always going to make mistakes in mm. it. But it's just the unfortunate thing of when you do make mistakes, you're, you're pointed as ungrateful, mm. you know, blah, blah, blah. So it, it got to a point where I just like, you know what? Being good didn't serve me well because it was causing me more pain. Yeah. And then when I got to college, I passed my GCSEs really well. And even with that, I didn't get the reception on the the celebration that I was yearning Expecting, for. Yeah. You know, I got home and I was going to, you know, my mom wasn't at home. As in, my adopted mom wasn't at home. And it was him. And he was like, you know, it was, if not for me, you won't get it. And it was just, was a, it's, it crushed my spirit. I'm thinking, how much more do you want from me? Like, yeah. I just got really good grades. And you're mm. just telling me that without you, I wouldn't have gotten it. Mm. But obviously, my mom came home eventually. And then I was told and she celebrated me. But that crushes it that punch was already done like yeah. you know i was like i was already deflated so i remember making up my mind and saying you know what forget being good i'm gonna be bad mm. you know so in school i was i was not because i'm a naturally friendly person i mm. got on with everybody the mm. people who were seen as nerds who were cool the, yeah i used to help people do their hair like i was just what that kind of person um i went to mirror fidelis so in houston <sighs> it's in central london so no, I, yeah no, no, so no. i went to the secondary school then i went to the sixth form because i couldn't okay, bother cool, to go cool, to, cool, i cool. couldn't bother to go to college yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. i just stayed in the school okay, um, cool. but at that point i decided to change my my circle of friends and mm. go with the people who are deemed as cool i mm. guess and when i did that life just felt a bit nicer because you were accepted i was accepted within this group of people you know where now i'm bunking lessons mm. i'm starting to smoke weed and mm. starting to see guys now and mm. you know just doing things that i would have never done before mm. but because i saw that being good didn't give me what i wanted i thought let me try the other way and that actually made me feel good for a little bit if mm. i'm being honest but unfortunately it started to reflect on my grades so mm. my a levels was just a joke you know mm. i failed to the point that by the time i finished my a levels I, 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 did, I didn't get into the uni that I wanted to go into. So I decided that I wanted to go into medical field just so that I can, you know, go and do things that can help help other people that didn't that killed my mom basically like cancer yeah. basically so is that why you're a radiotherapist yeah it makes sense now that was the driving force behind me being now. a radiotherapist. Yeah. So my desire was always 
I lost my mom, but I would like to do something positive with that. Even that's why I became that's why I became a nurse as well. If that you makes see, sense. like that that's the heart behind <laughs> yeah. you know. And I think it's such a beautiful thing that going through so much trauma and loss, and yet mm. still willing to go into the environment that and took the that that would remind like, you and trigger you exactly. every time. And I'm just like that's. In my head, when I look back, I'm thinking, that's some next strength, you I know? remember when I, when I did um, a nursing shift, going mm. to do agency nursing. Yeah. And I went back to St. Thomas's Hospital, where my oh, dad was. Wow. And I worked in the same, like, Lord, ITU. Oh, gosh. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, I don't want to, it's not going to make me cry. I will no. not cry. Anyway, no. but you know when you go into a place here yeah, as a yeah. child, yeah? Mm-hmm. And when, you're, when your family member is sick in yeah. hospital, and then there's, there's always that cafeteria that you mm. go to, and there's the chairs that you go to. Yeah. And then I went there again, like, literally... 20 years later, I'm in the same place, but this time I'm grown, I'm wearing yeah. the uniform and I'm walking past the same cafeteria that we mm. sat down. I'm walking past like the same walls that we sat down with my dad. Yeah. And it, it takes, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it takes strength, mm. but then throughout the whole process when I went back to St. Thomas, yeah. I remember thinking, Jesus, thank you. Yeah. That I can, I can go back here yeah. and I can hold the hands of other girls, yeah. other 11 year old girls that are seeing their dad pass away. Mm. And that, it takes strength. It, it takes does. a lot of strength no, to do it that. Does. It actually, it's actually beautiful. Yeah. Like when you look at it thinking, wow, like you've chosen to serve the very people that went through the very thing that you went through, yeah. you know? And I think sometimes we forget that, I don't know, I feel like sometimes as naturally being a carer or loving people, you kind of forget that it's actually commendable yeah, to do such a thing. Because many, many times people would not want to touch such Sick people thing like you know t- mm. such environment to mm. trigger anything that will bring back their past yeah, pains but like you said y- you had a korean nursing yeah had a korean radiotherapy which is a daily reminder of, of cancer of the very thing that took the person that you love the most you know and, you, and because and because you're in the industry now mm. you are you have a better understanding of the pain that they're going through yes yes i remember yeah, yeah it, you know what's funny i remember in my second year when as a um, as a trainee um, I remember one of the patients we had and I remember going through her notes and all the dates were just, they were triggering because mm. she had, she she first got diagnosed when my mom was diagnosed. Mm. But then obviously, I guess for her, she lived longer and then my yeah. mom passed away in 97. Yeah. But then seeing that she's come back with, I guess, terminal cancer now where it's spread yeah. to her bones. But I remember being told to go and speak to her for her first day chat. Yeah. And I remember sitting there, she had the Jerichos, she's black. Oh, she's black She literally well, looked yeah. exactly, like she just yeah. brought my mum's face back yeah, again. Hey. So as I'm giving her the first day chat, she's there in so much pain. Yeah. And I'm just there trying to keep strong and just encourage her and say, mm. you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I'm just holding it in, like, you know, because I've never really broken down yeah. in regards to, I guess, you're, in you're, that environment. You're able to separate, shade, yeah. shade the, the child yeah. and shade the radiotherapist. Exactly, and 100%. just be professional and just mm. do your thing. And I remember after treating her, the pain that she was in to get off the bed, and I remember taking her in and she literally looked at me in the eyes and she said, Help me take this pain away. Oh. I, I'm, I literally had to, I literally hugged her, mm. got her to get ready and I say, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Not knowing that, I'm just saying that out of like, I want to give her hope, but I don't know what yeah. the end of, I don't know what the end of this yeah, journey is going to be. be. Mm. I literally ran into my locker room and I broke down. Wow. And that was the first time I proper broke down mm. and seen, because it just reminded me, oh my gosh, this was, it just literally felt like it was my mom again. It weighs on you. And I just mm. started weeping. Mm. And I thought, oh, Shay, you're strong. You don't cry. You don't, yeah. you know, because I'm so used to just Bottling getting on with things and, and da, 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 da. On, yeah. But this time it, it hit me. And I remember that day I had an assessment. And I was just like, I can't do it. I can't do this assessment. Mm. So I remember speaking to my facilitator and saying, look, I just had to, I just pulled out. I said, look, I'm sorry. 
this last patient I had, it just brought back all my memories. And I just literally shared with my facilitator just a bit of my background. And mm. I lost my mom to cancer. This is part of why I'm doing this, blah, blah, blah. And I remember them giving me an extension, like a to do it next week or something. Mm. But for me, it kind of reminded me that being in that environment also brought me healing. Yeah, same. Because I had to confront the very thing that took them. That took them. Yes, same, same. You know, so I get you a thousand percent. <laughs> when you're saying this, I'm like, literally, that, the reason why I've left nursing now, because it's done its job. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is exactly <laughs> it. No, like, I'm healed. Like, no, I don't need real. to do this no more. No, you feel like the purpose has been served yeah. in that capacity. Yeah. And it's now time to move on. And yeah. that's exactly how I felt when I left radiotherapy last mm. year as well, mm. when I was just like, you know what? Yeah, hold tight to so everyone that is changing careers right no, now. for real. <laughs> I'm like, yo, story. it is. And I feel like we all have our journey as to why we want to move on or yeah, change. And for real. I just think it's beautiful to see, like, it's so personal where yeah. it's not about, oh, I'm tired of helping people. Because no. deep down, you help people. It's your second nature I to love people, people and yeah, help people. I tell people, I will do nursing for free on my free time mm. till this day. Yeah. But to do it as a job, I've had enough of it. Yeah. I've, I've I've done my bit, and it's and it's helped me to the point of I've been healed yeah. by doing it. Yeah, I've held people's hands when yeah. I've seen their life pass by their eyes. Mm. I've I've even within that nursing that initiative, I've I've prayed with people to Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I've 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 offered people Christ like at the very last minute, yeah, even when wow, he's not allowed. But like yo, like do you want to see a priest? Like do you yeah. want to see a priest? Yeah, <laughs> but you're just that that ability to just go through that moment with mm-hmm. these people. Yeah, and I'm now at the stage where like all right, cool. I've done my I've done my bit yeah. now. I feel like nursing as the best way to get over something is to go through something. Yeah. Do you to face that very thing. Yeah. Again. So, and so yeah. now I've after 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 everything I've gone from like, yeah, I'm done. I can still go back and help people as a volunteer, yeah. but to do it full time at this point it'd be traumatic because I've gone yeah. through it already. Yeah, it's mm. like you don't need to anymore. And I feel yeah, like one real. thing I, I saw for myself was seeing that there's a, a capacity of me that's needed in a different dimension. Yeah, for And real. I feel like it wasn't going to be fulfilled in that role yeah, anymore. Yeah, Like, I've been able to love people, deal with so many characters within, like, my colleagues, as mm. well as different patients where I've been able to give the message of hope, even by just smiling, yeah. encouraging, you know, just, enc- like, just loving them in, yeah. their, their, in their time of need, mm. you know? And I know that I've given myself, I've given my life to serve these people mm. in that capacity, mm. but there's more of Shay that hasn't been tapped into in the world, that can yeah. only happen outside of this place. Oh, girl, you're you know? preaching. So when I, when I left radio right therapy, now. I felt like I left knowing that my, my job is done mm. and it's time to explore something else, mm. that, a different part of me, because really and truly, without me realizing, I felt like even radiotherapy started to become my identity. I'm like, that's not yeah. me. That's just a part. It's just, just a part of mm. me. And, it, and what led me there was what I went through, mm. you know? But mm. I've done something that would not only help others, but also help me. Yeah. And God really used my career to really bring healing to myself, but mm. to others at the same time. So mm. then I just feel like, I don't even know where we are now. Where I like, know where so, so, well, just to recap. So you were telling me uh, prior to this, you became a bad girl, basically. Yeah. <laughs> when I got to college, I yeah. was like thinking I'm cool you now. Bad breeds. Smoking weed. Yeah. At this point, I was like, "Yo, bun it. Like, mm. I'm, I'm. Let me, let me try this, this side of life. Yes. And I'm, I, like I said, I enjoyed it. Mm. I'm not gonna go back and say I regret anything because mm. I actually don't. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wish I could have done better, but I, I'm a girl that was hurting. Yeah. Like literally. You're so broken. I was doing what I could do to, to manage the pain I was going through at the time. So when mm. I got to uni, so luckily I applied for radiotherapy and 
I remember I had to interview. I don't know if you had to interview to get into nursing. your nursing. Yes, like, yes. So I had to do the same. So what happened was when I realized I didn't pass my my A-levels, A-levels mm. I was screwing. Why? Because I had already planned to myself that when I'm 18, I get to leave the house. Because that was my point of thing. escape and yeah. just live my life. Mm. But I couldn't imagine living in that house in the house again for another, for another year. year. I just So I started calling over unis and saying I want to do drama. Oh, like that's really? how desperate I was like to anything. Leave. I said, "Yo, I can act. I'm coming." You know, <laughs> it was literally that that point. And then I thought, "Let me just." At this point, I'm not saved though. I'm not. I'm not Christian or nothing because I didn't grow up. Even though my mom was a um, a Christian before she died, the household I was raised in was a Muslim household. Mm. So Jesus wasn't something that was entertained. Mm. You know, so I felt like I kind of didn't have a religion for yeah. like a big bulk of my life. Really, yeah. so I just lived. I knew God existed, but I didn't. I didn't have it no wasn't personal. Yeah, there was no mm. personal relationship there. So. You know, I remember something just telling me like call Hertfordshire because mm. that's that's where I that was what my uni was. Yeah, call them and just see what is available. And mm. I remember calling radiotherapy and like, oh my gosh, Shay, we're so glad you called. You know, you are one of our strongest strongest candidates for the interview, and mm. we're so upset to see that you didn't get your grades. However, we want to offer you something. Mm. I said, oh, we want to offer you a foundation course mm-hmm. in science, mm. and then in a year's time, you get. A, transfer into radiotherapy oh, yeah. so i ended up doing four years in uni mm. and i was like oh my gosh thank god oh my gosh my, my. Yeah. i found an answer before leaving because i knew i couldn't go home until i knew what i was what doing, was doing yeah, you know so i remember once. going back home saying i, I failed and it mm. almost seemed like me failing my doctor dad was happy about it because he was mm-hmm. tired of he didn't like the idea of me doing well was it still general. molesting you at this point or it, uh, the molestation was it still happening at this point or did, uh, was it, um, it, hap- it happened when i was well it it happened it was. I feel like it was a grooming thing. Yeah. But then it was when I was sixteen when he tried to mm. do certain things with me, and I was like, "Yo, this. I want to either run away or." But yeah. I remember I love my mom so much that I didn't want to break her heart or my yeah. siblings. I was like, "I mean, your your adopted, adopted mom." mom. So yeah. I, I just endured and said, "Let me yeah. just manage until I just go to uni. So yeah. I can just leave, leave and go. And go yeah. I have an excuse to be away, but mm. I didn't want to run away. Otherwise, I wanted to run away. I wanted. Yeah. I had suicidal thoughts. I just wanted to get. You know, whenever I was left at home with him by myself, I was scared. I was scared. You mm. know, so. You know, it just got to a point where I was just like, okay, my uni is my escape. That was yeah. the plan. And that mm. was all. In my head, one thing I realized that like, looking back, I was a determined person. Mm. I, I had, Even though I didn't know where I was going, I just knew I wanted to have a better life. Mm. You know, so, you know, I went, I ended up getting accepted into Hertfordshire in a foundation degree. Did that for a year, did really well. Then mm. I got transferred into radiotherapy. Mm. And I was still living my life. Like, mm. you know, I came with the same energy that I was in college. In college. Mm. So started seeing guys, obviously guys are giving me compliments I never used to have before. Like, you know, mm. at home, I didn't feel like I was acknowledged as beautiful or mm. seen as beautiful compared mm. to my other siblings. Mm. So I had this feeling of, oh, I want to be told I'm nice and this. And mm. I go to uni now, all of a sudden, oh, you're nice. You got mm. bang your body. Mm. You got this. And then obviously it's going to my head because I think nobody's ever told me I'm exactly. nice. No one's told me I'm beautiful. So it got to me. So mm. the very thing I was yearning for, I was getting it. I was getting yeah. that affirmation from the opposite sex. Yeah. And unfortunately... I end up falling for some guy that, to me, I thought I was going to marry him because wow. I just, I, when I say he was, um, he loved Afrobeats, like my, I love music. So mm. music was like my, my, my place of escape mm-hmm. growing up. You mm. know, I just used to listen to music to just escape my reality. Yeah. And, you know, it was them ones where he loved music. Mm. He was into fashion. He was cool. You mm. know, we just got on so well. And mm. I feel like there was just this click. But you know when you're at uni, there's this illusion mm. that you think, because you're there every day, mm. you know you know that person mm. well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But within months, I'm end up now sleeping with this guy, losing my virginity to him, and I'm like, what happened? But mm. because of the words of affirmation, I love you, 
no, actually, he didn't say I love you. He said I care for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but even oh, care I've was got, enough. Oh, I've got love for yeah, you. Yeah, you know the words. You know those words where it's almost like ah. I was, I was, I was craving. He mm. gave it to me. Mm. But then, unfortunately, months down the line, I found out he's got a girlfriend. I'm Imagine. thinking, oh gosh, like, what the, like, and obviously, as much as I knew he had a girlfriend, knowing me, I wouldn't want to be with someone who has a girlfriend. But I was in denial because mm. he said he didn't have one. Yeah. But in my head, I'm thinking, mm. but because mm. I like, I guess a soul tie was created there because yeah. I end up giving him something that was so precious to me. Yeah. I was like, I'm marrying you. In at all costs, if he calls me, I'm there. Like, you know, and it was so <laughs> stupid. But anyway, mm. moving on to the point that, you know, like, um, I, I just left, I just went my, I went my own way. We went our separate ways. Cause I just thought to myself, he wasn't picking up my calls no more. Like wow. all that kind of stuff. And then obviously there was another guy that I ended up being with, with the majority of my uni before I gave my life to Christ. He was the person I kind of did life with, but I feel like, it was a situationship. There was no title on it. Yeah. But I saw myself as the main chick. That's what I'm not going to lie. Let me just pause you there. Because the amount of girls, yeah, that I've spoken to. And I, and I don't like giving single um, ad- relationship advice to single girls. Because I feel like I'm married. And I'm mar- I got married. I got married young. I got married mm. at, what, 22? Mm. So what do I, I really know, right? <laughs> yeah, you were at my wedding, innit? Can you remember? Yeah. Gosh, it seems like decades ago I now. Know. Yeah, she was at my wedding. But it's like, but one thing I've noticed is this rise of situationship. And a lot of the time, I... I'm not generalizing. It's just what I noticed. Mm. That a lot of the time it's girls that have missing father figures in their life yeah. where they feel they're so desperate to be accepted by a Anybody, guy. Yeah. Even if the guy is horrible to you, even if the guy is treating you like crap, but just say, just accept me. Mm. Just show me, care for me. Even if that care is, is wrapped with abuse mm. and whatever. And there's this like, Everybody, they're okay with not having a title. Like, yeah. why is that? Like, why is it that girls are okay being with a guy and the guys, are, no, this guy's not willing to call you their girlfriends. Yeah, yeah, I know. Why, why, what is it like? She, um, on a personal note, this is how I, this is why I accepted it because when I look back at my own people, that I, when I look back at my own mum, like my mum's, mm. like seeing that if my mum was married, um, and her husband was cheating, who am I to say that I'm any better mm. than my mum? And I saw my mum as such a great person my mom adopted as well there was also unfaithfulness in that marriage as well mm. some domestic violence and seeing the people that i the women i the women i love so much take that crap you feel like i thought who am i like my mom like they're the strongest people i know mm. so i'm thinking what makes me think i'm better to have any better mm. <laughs> you know so i think as much as i desire to be the only chick mm. i was okay being the main chick why because i was always number two in everybody else's life mm. so oh. for some reason if i was the main chick and then the guy i was with was clearly sleeping around it didn't bother me before because I was just like, whatever. But eventually my feelings started to grow. I'm thinking, no, I actually want you mm. because I've given so much of myself to you. Mm. You know, we started living together. I was doing his assignment. I was, when I look back, I think he said you were stupid. <laughs> you know, but it was brokenness that was assignment. doing. Yeah, I was doing and all sorts was, of stuff, you, you man. Went, giving money. I was just like. You went back to that eight-year-old girl mm. that was there trying to get good grades to get to get told by your parents or your adopted parents, yeah. well done, yeah. basically. Yeah. And at oh. this point, I, I now channel that energy into relationships where I'm now mm. wanting affirmation within, you know, a boy, a, a boy girl relationship. And mm. when I look back, it got to a point where I started failing my degree now mm. because I became so consumed with this guy, not loving me the way I wanted him to not giving me this title that I wanted and mm. seeing that this guy is seeing other people and it's okay. But he's, t- he, he constantly makes me seem like I'm the, I'm the best out of the, out of all. And that was okay for me. But it got to a point where I saw that he was now seeing someone who this person seemed to be getting his heart. Mm. And that's where I was like, yo, yo, I'm losing this guy, but I think I've given too much to this guy to mm. even let go. But it got to a point where when I started failing my own degree, 
reality hit me. I'm thinking, Shay, despite everything you've been through, you've had a determination to make it in life. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's not it's not tallying up with your goals. Yeah. And I said, at what point did you get to this point where I'm now full of pain, full of anger, full of bitterness, loss, like everything just started to bubble up mm. at my early 20s of just being used by the guy that I gave my virginity to, to now being cheated on and all that kind of stuff. So I was just basically like, yo, I'm out. Like, mm. it's time to do something different. Yeah. And I remember just falling on my knees where it was at the point at my semester B, where I literally failed on my exams. I had to make a decision. Do I want to drop out or do I want to carry on? And mm. I just said, you know what? God help me. I remember yeah. that's what I mustered. I yeah. said, God help me. Oh. And that's all I said. And then literally I, there was a, a fellowship campus on in De Havilland. Mm. I think it was Salem or something. Salem, yeah, so I thought, yeah, you know yeah. what? People used to tell me to come and go. and But for me, I'm the sort of person, I think even before I got saved, I realized that I'm the sort of person, if I'm in, I'm in. If I'm out, I'm out. Mm. So, because I was going raving, I was drinking, doing all this stuff, sleeping base, around. Base I couldn't, I, yeah, base, you know, <laughs> yeah. forum. I, I, I couldn't do the whole religious thing. I just couldn't. It, it didn't fit into your it lifestyle. I was like, no, you guys go to church. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm good here. Like, mm. you know, if I was even going to go to church, it would be for praise or worship. I'm mm. out. I'm not waiting mm. for the message. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but it was because I liked music anyway. Mm. So, you know, I went to this fellowship thing now in the evening. I remember they were just worshiping. I remember just sitting there and I was weeping because all of a sudden the pain I was feeling, like it felt like such a raw wound within me mm. just felt a little bit less hurtful mm. and i thought what happened here mm. and i remember just saying to god help me to pass my degree that's all i asked for mm. and then that i made a decision to just change my life and you know let go of the friends i was hanging around with stop going raving mm. stop talking to the guy you know going back and it was hard and that's when i started speaking to you yeah, maria yeah, like yeah. you know and i saw that okay i'm now that's um, how we met, right? We met in Salem, the church, right? I think so, maybe. Well, you, I'm not sure. because I, 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 I You lived, lived with um, the boys, isn't it? Yeah, I did. Mm. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of the connection between yeah. our meeting you ladies. Mm. And that was kind of like a different circle of friends for me because mm. obviously I, the kind of people I was hanging around with were just, it just wasn't mm. conducive for the lifestyle that I was trying to live now mm. in this new journey I wanted to start. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I just saw me changing the way I just did things helped me to pass my exam. Yeah. But not only I got a job before I finished and I was wow, like, oh my yeah. gosh. And then that's what kind of drew me to God a little bit more thinking, wait, mm. all my life I've worked for something. I've mm. had to earn it. Mm. But all I asked you was for pass. for me to pass. Mm. And I didn't just even just get a third. I got two too. Mm. For someone that was, was at the, even the lecturers came to me thinking, how did you do it? Mm. I said, I don't know. In mm. my head I was thinking, mm. it could be God. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't have a relationship with him still, yeah. but I acknowledge that, okay, mm. I did pray. And, it was at that point where I was just like, oh my gosh, if I didn't have to do anything and yet he let me pass and get a job and get a job. Even despite the two, despite the two, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. and even the fact that mm. I was such a, I was, I lived such a, a bad lifestyle, mm. you know, I wasn't a, like, I just felt like the life I was living didn't earn good results mm. and I got it. So I thought, mm. Mm, I want to know this, this guy more. This, this Jesus <laughs> sounds know? quite was, interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> that's where my journey really began when I finished mm. uni. Mm. And then I got a job in Cambridge mm. and I started working and, mm. you know, things were just different. Mm. And then, you know, it's at that point where I was literally like, okay, I want to make a decision to really be sold out to this thing. Because this God thing. This God thing, because, you know, the pain just kept getting less and less and less. And it's almost like, I remember in uni, I was alive, but I was dead on the inside. Mm. But 
encountering God, it, he loved me back to life. Hence the name of my first book, because it was my testimony of mm. being so broken. And all of a sudden I'm encountering this love that I was craving all my life. And all of a sudden mm. I'm getting it without earning it. Mm. I didn't have to earn his love. And mm. that journey of healing began for me, you mm. know, where I started to understand that my identity became how I saw myself was a result of my past. Mm. I didn't see myself right. So mm. that journey of healing is what has been, has begun since 2012 for me mm. up until now where I was, I made a decision to commit to the journey of healing to become this person that I didn't recognize what existed because mm. I knew Shay as the person who was an orphan, a bastard, someone that's not worthy, you know, a fool. They, like all these kind of words that just wasn't lining up with what God saw me as, you know? Mm. And for me, it, it was, it was a journey of rediscovering the real Shay. But before mm. I uh, before I could rediscover me, God had to take out the junk. Mm. So he exposed a lot of things in my life and he showed me the root. And that journey of going down each thing, and that's how I was able to say to you that I know rejection came from the womb because mm. God showed me. Mm. You know, that the feeling, you know when you carry a baby, what the mother's feeling, the hormones, it, it, trans yeah, it, it, it transfers to the child. Yeah, and does. that's how rejection came in from the very get-go. I didn't even have a chance at life, mate. Oh, wow. You know, so it almost, so God showed me how deep this issue was where this is why you're going around trying to be accept, you know, accept everyone, um, be accepted by everyone. I was the most, <clears throat> I please everyone to the point where I can be at, the, at my deathbed mm. just to make somebody else happy. Mm. That's how bad it was. I didn't know how to say no. Naturally, I'm a caring person. It's just who I am as a person. But because of, I was seeing myself in the wrong lenses. Mm. I was given I was giving myself too much to people mm. at the expense of me. Mm. Where I'm like, it's damaging me all the more being kind to other people. Mm. But it was okay for me. But what God was showing me is like, I've made you a carer, I've made you love people, but I want you to I want to show you how to love people the right way. Mm. Don't love people based on your brokenness. Mm. Love people based on your wholeness oh. from me. You know, so he had to pour his love in me so that I can now so pour you, that back to other people. And you know how it feels like to be truly loved, loved as well. and with mm. boundaries mm. as well, because love always has boundaries. Love with boundaries. Oh, you're preaching. <laughs> ah, you ah, know. Ah. And wait, wait. Can we just can we just pause? Can we just can we just sit on that one? Love with boundaries, girl. Yeah, it, and, I think, and I think that's what people don't really remember. Like yeah. there's actually boundaries. boundaries. You can to say, love. love. Love allows you to say no. Wow. Try. And I, and for me that was that was weird because I didn't understand, I didn't understand what I thought no meant rejection, so I didn't want to ever reject other people. So I would say yes, 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 yes. But I'm there running down. I'm literally suffering. <laughs> you know? Oh, can you help me do this? Can you do this? I'll do it, knowing that is inconvenient, but I'll still do it because I don't want to let anybody down. But you know, I don't. I'm not getting that reciprocity though. People mm. are not doing the same for me. So mm. I used to always be upset that the amount of love I give people, people don't give that, this back to me. I check mm. on people. I call on people, and I realized that even my friendship has had to change where I had to realize that where I've decided to take this path, the people I had in my life at the time were not going in the same direction. And it was so hard because I'm so loyal. Like mm. I'm the sort of person where, you know, if I'm a friend with you, I will keep being friends with you for as long as mm. possible. There's no reason why I wouldn't be friends, you mm. know? Um, but it got to a point where my journey of being committed to my healing journey required me to let go mm. of things from my past. Mm. And it was hard for me, but it meant, doesn't mean I don't love them any I don't less. love them less, but I had to love myself enough to mm. let go of things that wasn't going to let me grow, mm. you know? And that's where, for me, things in my life started to change, mm. you know, where I had to continuously sacrifice things mm. for me. Mm. I'm not used to that. I was so used to sacrificing for, for other others, people. but yeah. 
the journey of loving Shayi, but loving Shayi well mm. is what God had to teach me, but he had to love me first. Mm. So me receiving his love and accepting it is what's helped me to see how I don't love myself well. He wants me to love me the way he wants I'm supposed to love myself so that mm. I can love other people properly. Mm. Because if I'm loving people more than myself, it's imbalanced. It mm. says, you know, love your neighbors as yourself. And I forget that, oh my gosh, it's you true. You have to love yourself first. You have to love yourself first. Because yeah. that means the way you love people, imagine if I'm already loving people the way I am, and I'm not loving myself well. Imagine when I love myself well, mm. how much more love I can give to people. Mm. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a balanced game. Mm. But I've been living such an imbalanced life because my life was didn't start balanced anyway. Mm. <laughs> you know, but this journey of finding the real shade required undoing the shade that I knew. It, them times you called yourself Liz. Liz, hey, there we go. Yeah. That's even a great example. Mm. And it's funny because that was one of the things I had to do. I had to change my name back to Shay mm. because that was not my identity. Mm. I felt like me, I remember calling myself Liz Yankulia because it didn't have anything to do with me. So mm. I felt like I was living in my, I was living a lie for mm. so long. And I remember just saying, Shay, you can't, live your life like this any longer mm. you can't live a fake life where people think everything is honky dory blah blah mm. i'm not saying that i'm going around saying oh woe is me yeah no but you have to be real to yourself you have to be true to yourself and i realized that one of the weapons i actually have is authenticity i realized mm. that genuinely when i see, see that it's not genuine it bothers me mm. because for me i love to give my best mm. but i didn't realize that i was being a phony myself mm. where i'm giving this picture of She's all good. She's smiley, smiley. She's full of joy, which yes, I am. But that was a facade mm. of something I was covering. And I was mm. like, nah, honestly, it's time to, to be the shade that God created. Okay. And the only way I could do that was journey, the journey with him where mm. he had to show me the issues, rejection, abandonment, anger, bitterness, fear. I was full of fear, mm. you know, even loss, like this idea of losing people close to me was a bother for me because of yeah. losing my own mom yeah. that I feel like oh and because that I was so yeah you, you know I'm thinking oh if someone if I get close to someone would they go oh girl you know and that constant mind battle so girl you know what happened yeah just start to interrupt you but when I started having my kids right mm. so um lost my dad when I was 11 and I dealt with that grief sort of in I'll deal with it I'll leave it I'll deal with it I'll mm. leave it or, or, so I don't even know why I did with it when I started having my kids I remember being so scared because when you have children, yeah. it's like, I have to be alive for these for, kids. Yeah, yeah. I have to be alive. I can't let them go through the what trauma went through, I yeah. went through. Mm -hmm. And that fear, that something could happen to me. Yeah. Um, it, it, it sent me into depression, like wow. full blown. It sent me into postnatal depression. Wow. Because when I had my, um, when I, when I had my daughter, not long after I had my daughter, mm. I had a situation where my heart was going crazy. I had like random, oh. um, what do you call it? Atrial fibrillation. Oh, wow. Random. I was young them times. Mm. And then, um, sorry to cut you short, but basically yeah. I was in hospital. I had to go to hospital. Yeah. Um, nobody took me seriously because I was a 23 year old girl and mm. they just thought, oh, maybe she drank too much coke or too much coffee or whatever. Oh, gosh. And um, it was at night time. And I remember like my husband came to see me before he went home and yeah. he, he gave me the call bell. Mm. And I remember telling him, oh, I don't need the call bell because I'm, I'm a student nurse sometimes. Like, I don't, yeah. I, I won't be that patient that's belling the nurses. <laughs> and my husband was like, he wrapped it in my bed. He's like, listen, in case you do need it, here it is. And then he now went home. Mm. And I remember waking up at night and um, I, I remember not being able to breathe. So okay. I was struggling to breathe anyway because when your heart is beating really fast, there, is, there isn't enough oxygen going mm. around your body. Yeah. But it's not, it wasn't a shortness of breath. There was literally no breath. Like oh I couldn't gosh. even talk. You know, we use breath to talk, yeah. right? I, I remember thinking, I can't even say help. I, can't, I remember thinking, there's no air in my lungs. Gosh. And um, I remember looking at my blood pressure and seeing it drop. Then he was like, I mean, the systolic was like something like 50 systolic or something. And I thought, okay, 
I probably probably the best time to press the call. Yeah, though. and it's even good that you even know how that knowledge. Exactly, <laughs> you know, because exactly. A lot of people I, I, know I, what that I is. pressed the call bell. So I'm three a.m. I pressed the call bell, and all I remember was fading away. That's the best way I can describe Gosh. it. But then I heard everything. You know how in mm. medical school they yeah. say that when people are dying they can hear it. Yeah, I remember them hearing um, crash crash call two 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 twenty two year old wow. girl crashing. I remember Gosh. them coming. I remember them saying my medical history. I remember them trying to do chest compressions wow. on my chest. Wow. I, I went all this. I remember it was it, it, it all probably happened within like seconds, but it it was very very slow, mm. and I could hear everything. And I could hear everything very sharp. And I remember at first thinking, "Oh my god, I'm dying. What about my husband?" Now I'm thinking, "Oh my god, I'm dying. What about my kids? Like mm. about my daughter, daughter at the time. Yeah. Like she's not gonna have a mom. She's not gonna remember me because she was like two years old at the mm. time." I remember the last thing I thought about was. Oh my God, I'm dying. Jesus, save my soul. Wow. <laughs> I was like, because it gets to a point where it's like, you know what? They're going to be all right. I'm about to step into eternity here. Wow, like, God, yeah. save my soul. Yeah. And I remember them doing chest compressions. <laughs> Me being a student nurse, I remember thinking, you're not doing it properly. Move more to the left. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just remember opening my eyes, and then everybody was like, oh, she's awake, she's awake. And I remember opening my eyes and praying. Like, I literally yeah. woke up. In praying, they oh, were wow. doing chest compressions to me. Wow. I had what they call their peri arrests, basically. Wow. And I was, and I remember praying, big and praying. And I remember like that trauma, it stayed in me. Although like oh, gosh, the following yeah. day, they called my husband because obviously like this woman, this girl died. Come and see your wife, or she may die again, sort of thing. They came and they were talking about moving me to ITU and all that sort of stuff. And I remember my husband was like, "Oh, yo, let's pray." And we're Catholic, so we do yeah. the rosary, mm. we pray everything. I remember the minute my husband finished praying and he said "Amen," my heartbeat just went back to. Oh, normal wow, it left my heartbeat God. literally they called it um spontaneous reversal it wow. just went literally by the time i said in jesus name amen boom no more it was mad wow. i was like that's why like you know there's some experiences you go yeah. through and i like yeah jesus this god yeah. that we serve he's, he's real. real yeah but then as much as i was healed from that situation yeah um when i now had my son I was so scared that it was going to happen, happen again. again yeah. And then when he now came, I remember like not wanting to hold him. Mm. And it was a, it was a it was a protective mechanism. Yeah. I thought, if I get too close to, to you, yeah, you want to I'm going to yeah. want to be alive for you. Oh, I'm going to want you to be with me. I, I, I remember thinking, it sounds so stupid, but I remember mm. thinking, um, if I now die. If I now get close to you, if I now hold you, if I now die, I want to miss you. I don't want to get close to you because I don't want to miss you if I die. Mm. And people will come. I mean, you know, when you've had when you've had your first child, everybody's around you. Yeah. But when you have your second child, people just think, You're ah, you know it. what you're to do. To, yeah. You're okay. <laughs> you know, she's, so people will now come. Maria, you're okay. And I, I, I'm an actress, isn't it? So I now to play that actress. <laughs> I'll carry the baby. I'm fine. I'm okay. And I remember just being so depressed. Like the minute everyone go, I'll just leave the baby in the, in the Moses basket. I don't want to carry him. I don't want to touch him because I don't want to get close to him. I remember stepping out, looking at the sky and thinking, the sky looks extra blue today. Maybe God is trying to make me realize that this is my last day. Oh, it was full-blown postnatal depression. Yeah, God. And it doesn't help that I was taking um, um, the... Not, not the morning after pill. You know, there's a contraceptive pill. Okay. The progesterone only contraceptive pill. Okay. I don't which actually that. increases your risk of getting postnatal depression. Oh, yeah. So and it was my sister that was like, "Yo, sis, this hormonals, hormonal pills you're taking, you gotta, you gotta Scrap stop it. it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, because these hormones are not. And it was just, it was really. And I remember like even contemplating like suicide because I remember mm. thinking. I, instead of me waiting to die, let me just kill myself and die. Oh, but then I now look at my two kids. I'm like, like, two no, kids. Like, no, yeah, I can't. I got, yeah. I got to stay here for yeah, you. Yeah. Long story short, when I stopped taking the hormonal pills and then I just began, I remember talking to my husband about it. Mm. And he, he, you know, men, they don't really know what to say. <laughs> like, ah, oh, just go out. Just exercise. Just, just pop out. Like, they don't really understand that mm. this is really something. And I had to literally, like, find my, um, my secret 
place mm. within God. Like yeah. I, I, I had to address my fear of dying. Mm. And I had to address, and I realized it was rooted down to what I went through with my dad. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really a fear of death as mm. such. It was fear of leaving my kids without a mom. Wow. It was that fear of leaving yeah. my kids without a mom and ah, that's how I will now die. My husband will now remarry. They will now become somebody else's mom. Yeah. And obviously, like, I've gone through what it's like to not have a mom. Mm. My mom's lost her parents. And I've seen how her losing her parents has impacted her as well. Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, this can't be a generational curse. And yeah. I had to literally cast it. Yeah. And it's a bit in the Bible. It's a place in the Bible. I don't even know the Bible too well. Mm. But it says how... um um. Something to like how um calling to calling to command everything that sits in a high place yeah. that questions what you know about God in That's your life. It, yeah. And mm-hmm. I and I began I basically began naming my trauma. I yeah. was like, Maria, you're scared of dying. You would not you're die. Pulling, you're pulling down those strongholds. I'm pulling I'm pulling I am pulling yeah. it down. Mm-hmm. And it's still an ongoing battle. Yeah. But when I'm able to identify That's my it. problem, identify it. the issue, That's identify it. the root of this issue, and say, you know, no matter how big your issue is, my God is bigger. That's and it. Also not, and also realizing that um, death is not the final word. It is, no, yeah. Like, we're, I see this life we're living is just a journey. We're just, we're all in this, we're all in the boss right now. Yeah. Do you understand? And I just realizing that God has conquered death. Yeah. God has conquered everything. Yeah. Do you understand? And mm-hmm. Putting that in God's hands. That's it, yeah. And that's, that's, that's beautiful, actually. And mm. obviously, what you've shared there is basically your, your healing journey yeah, of yeah, overcoming yeah. the fear of death and just yeah. having to even... Can you see how one thing of you recognising opened the doors to recognise all the other things that's affecting yeah. you? And I feel like Absolutely. I can relate to you on that, on, that, on, that, on that part where on my healing journey as well, it opened a lot of cans mm. of disgusting things from my past and my habitual... Mm ways of living, my mindset, the way I saw life, my perspective, you know, dysfunctional cycles. Like God had to bring that to the forefront and say, these things, they're not me. Mm. But because I've lived that way for so long, I thought it was me. Mm. But it's in renewing my mind and giving a divine exchange and giving those things that are not him to him so he can give me life. Mm. So those things that were causing pain, you know, the impact of trauma, Mm. it as we were saying at the beginning where you said, trying not losing your identity those mm. things became my identity because yeah. i thought that's who i am but no yeah. it's a part of me but it's not who i am mm. you know and it's helped me to look forward to what god actually has for me mm. and it's not even about just looking forward but actually receiving it right now mm. because i think you can be so obsessed or focused on what i want my life to be that you don't enjoy your life now mm. and i realized that because of the background i have had i'm not very good at being present Mm. and one of my disciplines now is reminding myself that when my mind starts to go I say nope shape live now Mm. don't think about the past and it took a while for me to let go of the past but in letting go of the past I was able to reach for the future Mm. but in reaching for the future I had to be present now which Mm. means trusting God with the life I have now and the life that is to come do you know what I mean Mm. and you know just to encourage I wrote a few things just to kind of help um the people who are listening, yeah. who have gone through pain or trauma, mm. what you can do to ensure that you heal well. Yes. You know, and obviously, like we've mentioned about not losing our identity within the very things that we've been through. Because mm. the trauma doesn't make it you. It doesn't make you, you mm. know. Yes, it's the imp- and the thing is, the trauma itself is one thing. The impact is just a different ballgame. Mm. And what many people are going through is the impact of the trauma mm-hmm. in, the, in the latter years mm-hmm. of their life, you mm-hmm. know. But it's not to say that we dismiss it. But what I've written down here is just a few things just to help people, like the practical ways to kind of heal well, mm-hmm. you know. And one of the things I've written down is, first of all, acknowledge your pain. Mm. <laughs> you know, because many times people are in denial. Mm. 
They yeah. went through things, but they will not mention that they went through it and mm. act like it didn't happen. No, 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 it happened. It actually happened. Mm. You're going to have to acknowledge that it happened to you. Mm. But at the same time, from acknowledging it, you need to make a decision. Mm. I want to heal from this. I no longer want to be held. Like the way you said, yo, I'm pulling down every stronghold. Yeah, you know, you made a choice to say, I'm not going to let this thing control me any longer. Mm. Yes, we're still on a journey of sometimes it comes, but the impact of how it, it used to do affect us in a you know years ago would not affect us to the same mm. way today because you've found a way of, you've been equipped to fight those battles of what it is to keep you down mm-hmm. and rather than giving up when the dif- when the journey becomes difficult you become better at saying i'm not going to give up mm. i'm going to stay true to who i'm supposed to be which is the best version of yourself mm-hmm. but that's a journey in itself mm-hmm. so making a decision to deal with whatever pain or trauma that affected you being patient and remembering it's a process and a journey of overcoming. Mm. So I think sometimes people want it to just go. It, that very thing that affected you, you've lived with it for the last 10, 15 years. Mm. How is it going to go overnight? Mm. You're going to have to go through a process of overcoming that. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes you better than what it actually did to you. Do mm. you know what I mean? Another thing is being honest about your pain. Mm. Because, for example, you were able to see and recognize that th- this is a fear I have. Mm. The same way for me as well. I've always been... You know, there's certain things I say, I don't love myself enough. Mm. I don't love myself well. I don't care about myself. Mm. Shay, you, you see yourself wrong. You don't see yourself as worthy. Mm. But where did those things come from? I had to mm. go back to where it came from and say, okay, Shay, yeah, you're not great at making certain decisions because mm. you never had this. You don't know how to love well because, you know, just being honest with yourself, yeah. you know. Um, also, take your pain to God. Mm. Like, it's not something that you could do on your own. Mm. You know, take your pain to God and let let him show you the root and help you with how to deal with these issues. Mm. Have an open heart and a willing heart to actually deal with it. Mm. Because if you're like there, you know, like you said, in your secret place or angry, why is this me? You know, victim mentality. Blah, you're not going to allow God to speak to you or show you that, oh, actually, this is where this may have come from. Yeah. You're not going to, your heart is not going to be soft enough to receive the love mm. that, he wants to give you. I'm not saying that God's your your hard heart doesn't stop God's doesn't stop God from loving you. No, but you'll be able to feel it tangibly mm. when you allow Him to just really minister to you. Mm. And just to remember that God exposes to heal and not to bring shame, because mm. some of the things that we did because of our past can make you feel shameful, yeah. feel guilty, mm. feel a certain type of way. But God brought it to the forefront because He wants to help you. Mm. He wants to heal you. He wants to make you whole. Mm. Um, another thing I wrote was renewing your mind. So exchanging the lies you believed and replace them with the truth. So identity where, you know, I just felt like I, never, I wasn't worth it mm. because I, I was never seen as anyone's priority. Mm. But to God, God says, I, he, I am worth it. Mm-hmm. He died for me, mm-hmm. you know. Not being able to forgive things from my past. I have to remember, Jesus died on the cross for for all of us. And he didn't do anything. He was without sin, but yet he died. And it just made me realize that, no, okay, God, show me your truth Mm -hmm. and I'll give you my lies. And Mm. there's a divine exchange with that. Mm. Um, Speak to someone where you can share your heart. Wait, wait, pause. Show me your truth and I'll give you my lies. Wow. (laughs) Girl, I feel like I should be writing my notes. You sent me this notes. Show me your truth and I'll give you my lies. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's a divine exchange of all the things I believed of myself, all the things I believed about my circumstances. God, give me your perspective. Mm. And when he gives you a perspective, it just helps you. And that's what's helped me grieve well now Mm. because I was not able to grieve growing up anyway but coming to Christ God has helped me to grieve the right way Mm. where I know when we spoke the last time where I was saying that now when I think about my mum I don't mourn her loss anymore I celebrate the life she lived Mm. and sometimes when I look back and I think oh but I don't have happy memories of my mum all I remember is sad memories 
either way, the fact that she got to where she got to, she gave birth to three children. Mm. That's something worth celebrating. People were able to say, speak well of her, mm. which goes to show she lived a good life. Yes, she had a lot of pain and whatnot, but I celebrate the life she lived. And mm. the fact that she's no longer here, a part of her is in myself and my siblings. And the life that we live is a reflect is, is a legacy that's carried on mm. for her that she no longer lives on earth. Mm. So it helped me to grieve the right way where I was able to acknowledge it, deal with the pain, feel it, cry, write down, whatever. But now rather than when Christmas day comes and being depressed, I celebrate her life and actually enjoy Christmas Day because oh. for the last 20 years, Christmas Day was not was not nice. But the last yeah. Christmas Day that I had was the first Christmas where I thought, I actually enjoyed myself. Mm. I played games with my siblings and my adopted mom and my cousins. And, you know, it was fun. I thought, mm. I've never experienced that. And I thought, wow, Shay. Mm. Then it just showed me how much I've healed. Her birthday was a few days ago. It didn't affect me like mm. it used to. I was able to just acknowledge the day celebrate her life and keep going and not mm. saying i've forgotten her but it's no longer holding me down and i know that in heaven our parents will be looking and thinking i'm glad she's now better yeah she's getting better Absolutely. you know because they're in a better place you know yeah. and for us yes we are left with the the emotions of what is what trauma and loss gives but mm. they don't want us to stay in that place and yeah, more than they they're, mo they're not there no they're not there and most importantly mm. god doesn't want us to stay there mm. you know and like we said death is not the end mm. you know so that was something that I, I I learnt on my journey of overcoming, of healing. Mm. And speaking to someone is very key as well. Speaking to someone where you can share your heart, as in your heart for real, whether that be a trusted friend, a mentor, a therapist, whatever it is that you can use to pour out. Because I think many times growing up, especially coming from an African household, you're, you learn to bottle up. Yeah, You're not allowed to say anything. Don't mm. say anything. So you, you deal with these emotions and these pain internally without expressing it but eventually it's eating you up on the inside mm -hmm. but the more you share there's a light there's a lightness that comes with it mm. but then also shame is released mm. um guilt is taken away like mm. all this stuff because you're no longer harboring something that secret life it, it doesn't do nothing it but does, eats you alive it does and it's mm. horrible you know and you just feel much better when you just say something like it's because sometimes how you process it will be through the lenses of your trauma as well yeah. which is wrong but when you share it you get an other, you get another perspective where it allows you to see actually maybe not mm. you know why not see it this way but most importantly we have got to do that because sometimes we might feel not feel, we may not feel safe to say that to someone else yet mm. but we have that place where we can go to god and be ourselves yeah. and just pour it i say god i feel crap yeah. i'm hurting mm. I, it's unfair that i lost my my mom or my dad at a young age mm. why me why this why that and i remember well, that was one of my things that i used to always say to god and when God gave me a revelation was everything I've been through, he said, I protected you. Mm. You're, you're here today because many things that all the things I went through, many people couldn't have been able to get through it. They would have killed themselves. Honestly. And yes, I had those thoughts time and time again, but the grace to not even let my, cut my life short, mm. God showed me, I protected you. I kept you. Mm. But what the enemy meant for bad, I'm going to turn around for your good. Mm. That the very thing that the enemy tried to destroy using your life, I'm going to use you to help other people set free, mm. help other people be set free. Mm. So I take my healing journey so seriously. Mm. I've taken it seriously for the last seven, six, seven to eight years of being committed to being a whole person, mm. being, you know, who God has always ordained me to be, created me to be. Mm. And I'm not going to lie, I don't recognize me because mm. it's not the person I knew. I'm like, oh my God, so this is Shay. This is the Shay that God created. Mm. I'm confident. I'm loved. 
I'm worthy. Mm. I'm, you know, all the things that, all the opposite things that I thought of myself is who I am now, which mm. is the good things, mm -hmm. you know, and still acknowledging that when I have weaknesses, I, I can say that, oh, I'm not so great in this area. You know, decision making sometimes can be a little bit, mm, mm. but I realize that actually that comes from not <laughs> having a good example of decision makers anyway mm. in my life, you know, mm. fear, where did that come from? So many areas, mm. being abused, being um, unstable. I went to five primary schools, three secondary schools. Mm. So there was such an instability where, the uncertainty was almost inevitable for me. Like, oh, mm. what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? Mm. But God has had to flood his love in my life so that fear takes a bow. Mm. It, it, he, you know, my favorite scripture is 1 John 4, 18. Perfect love cast out fear. Mm. So my prayer has always been, Lord, perfect me in your love so much so that fear has no place in me. Mm. So when I start to feel fear... Hey, you keep dropping all these nuggets, yeah? <laughs> we need to say that again for those listen. Perfect me what? Perfect me so much so in your love mm. that fear no longer has a place in me. Mm. So I realise that every place of fear in my heart I say, God, fill it with your love. Mm. Because fear and love can't stay in the same place. No, they can't. So what no. I realised, I was so full of fear that God wanted to shower his love on me. Mm. But one had to go and mm. fear had to go. Mm. So in me receiving God's love, fear had to go. And, you, and your book is called Love Back to Life. Love Back to Life, Makes yeah. Sense so, oh, you know, God sorry. loved me back to life because I was dead on the inside, but mm. alive on the outside. My heart was in a coma. Wow. That's how I describe it, you know. But now this journey I've been on, and that's what's, you know, in me writing my next book is just where I will not say share too much, but it's been basically helping people to heal well, mm. showing them through my experiences what it's been like to be able to help them heal well. Yeah, I think, and I think it's important that we also mention that people talk about healing a lot. Yes. But healing is an action word. It you is. have to move. Like you have yeah. to you have to set bound set um objective yeah. and make action and just you, you can't just sit down there and hope that time heals. No. Because honey, time doesn't heal, time numbs. <laughs> but it doesn't heal. Because you open your eyes and then that pain is still there. You have mm. to actually make active A yeah. moves to make yourself heal. Yeah. Speak to people, speak to God, go back to church, yeah. address your pain. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. just numb it over and assume that over time it will go away because yeah. that doesn't happen. It at doesn't. All. And the scary thing is if you don't deal with that 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 pain or you don't heal well you're going to repeat the cycle man. oh yeah for real and it's not like you desire to do that but it's just a natural thing that happens for real, and yeah. for me that's been my motivation where i said i'll be the first generation to have a generation after me that's not broken mm. because when i look back i have a i've come from a very broken oh, generation wow. man you know so i've felt the the i felt the weight of making the decision to heal well yeah because it, it, it has to end with you. It, it has to end with me. That, I said I'm setting a new legacy. Mm. And the new legacy is obviously one in Christ, mm. first and foremost. Yes. But showing people or showing the people that no matter what you go through, don't let it define you. Mm. You know, because I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't predict what my children's future will be. But yeah. I know that if I'm the best version of myself, yeah. I know I'll give them the best that they can so that they can make decisions the right way. They've seen an example mm. from in-house, in you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's really been my, that's my passion, like to help give share the message of hope and healing mm. in any way capacity that I can. And basically through my experience, so this is not, this is not theory. I've mm. lived it. Mm. And God has really helped me to show, to show me what it is to heal well, mm. but it's because of him. It's not because of my, I cannot even take any credit. Mm. You know, I'm the woman I am today because of God, you know, and that journey of saying, God help me led to now living a life fully sold out for him, mm. but to his glory that now when people see me, they don't see my past. Do you know what I mean? And that's the key. Like, yes, it's what I went through, but it's not who I am. Mm. It actually isn't who I am. So, you know, I just thank proud God you, for so proud of you. everything. Like, glory to God, just you know. Quick, like, really, really quick question for a round it up. So, yeah. um, 
in terms of like future and stuff yeah. like that, in terms of like obviously like getting married and stuff, do you think what's happened to you in your past has probably impacted how you view relationships and marriage yeah, and stuff like that? Definitely. So funny enough, part of my healing journey was I didn't want to get married. Wow. You know, because I saw I didn't have a good example. No, I noticed of, that you've never ever speak about like guys, anything like that, like yeah, over the years. I yeah. d- you know, I, the thing is, I had a, it's funny because I, I remember I used to say, mm. I'm not going to get married. I'm going to just be a cohabitant <laughs> because then you don't need to go through divorce or yeah. you feel, I can up and leave. Like yeah. I had that, but through my healing journey, God has showed me that marriage is his design. Mm. It's his desire for me mm. to the point that he actually got to a point where he's like, no, I, I have ordained you to be married. Mm. Like it's part of your, it's part of your, your, your life. Yeah. It's what yeah. you're going to get married. I'm going to have children. But right now we're focusing on you. That's it. You know, we're focusing on you. And in me focusing on myself, it, it would allow me to be the best woman, mm. best wife, and then best mother, mm. you know, in that order, so that... Best woman, best wife, best mother. Yeah, in God's, by God's grace, yeah. you know, in the way mm. he wants me to. And it's really helped me to see marriage in a different light, because I didn't yeah. see, ma- I didn't see lot, good in marriage before. There's a lot of broken people getting married these days. There are, a lot yeah, of broken people really, getting married. And I, I see that a lot, and for me, I realised that, not saying that you can't marry broken because you, you can because God can use your marriage to heal you as well true, true. you know but it's understanding that everyone's journey is unique mm-hmm. and I know that for me God had to do the healing work first mm. and I think it's because of the impact of the trauma that I've gone through mm. would have destroyed my marriage wow you know if I got married earlier I would not I probably I, I can guarantee I would not be married today wow because I was not fit <laughs> and it's that on and I'm not, like I said it's not everybody that has to be healed fully to get married because mm. God will use people's marriages to heal them or true. carry that journey on whilst they're married. True. But on my part, true, God true. did it the other way where he said, I want to heal you fully. Mm. Why? Because I, f- I believe that the Lord is about to give me the life I missed out on in my childhood mm. and I'll be able to live that in my marriage. Mm. So it's almost like I'll be able to see my children have the childhood I never had. Yeah. I'll be able to be loved by my husband like I never saw my mother's love be loved. Mm. You know, so it's almost like God's blessing to me to go through the pain now <laughs> and enjoy the future, future later, yeah. you know? And I know that time is going to come soon. I God trust him. I, I know that the God that saved me, the God that healed me, who's made me the woman I am today, mm. I trust him with my future, mm. you know? And I've gotten to that point where I'm content where mm. I am now. In fact, I enjoy my life now. Mm. I'm not, it's this, this, this joy is not fake. Mm. It's a genuine content joy and happiness that I have in Christ because he's made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. So I know that now when I see the person he has for me, I will recognize him. Mm. I pray about my marriage now. Mm. I pray about my future husband. I pray about my future children. Mm. But he's telling, he's be, I've been able to build a relationship with him where he can tell me those things prior mm. so that when that guy comes i will recognize him yeah you know yeah. so really and truly it's not society in society can look like someone is behind or whatnot but mm. i know that the way god is working with me mm. is in accordance to his will god is not a respecter of time you know and you and you and god is the god that we serve right he will change life so drastically so quickly mm. that people won't even know you waited or you looked for like it's there crazy yeah so i you know i'm mm. i'm here and while i'm a single woman, I'm faithfully doing what I'm supposed to do now, yeah. where if he's giving me the message of hope and healing, I, I do that. I'm not going to wait mm. till I get married to, to walk into my purpose. Mm. I'm starting my purpose now. now. He told me to write my book. I wrote my book. Mm. He's telling me to write another book. I write another book. He mm. tells me to, whatever he tells me to do, if people come and ask me to share my story, I'm not coming to share my story for storytelling. Mm. It's to show what God did with my story. That's mm. my testimony. You mm. know, so, so if, people, if people want to reach out to you, how could they reach out to you? Um, so I've got an Instagram. Mm. It's called Shay 
S-E-Y-I dot Genio mm-hmm. um, on Instagram. Um, that's it for now. I'm yeah. currently writing. Um, I've got a few things that I'm working on as well behind the scenes. So hopefully this year I'll be a bit more active on social media because mm. I feel like I've been a bit... How can I describe? I feel like I run away from it because mm. it's like, I, ha- I feel like I know I've got something to say, but you almost start to compare yourself with other people that are out there. Mm. And it's almost like, mm, would people listen to me or blah, blah. But understanding that my heart is that I genuinely want to help people. Yeah. And I think when I've now, what I've realized this year is that, Shay, there's people out there that you're sent to. If you're comparing yourself to people who are probably doing better or are more popular on social media, mm. the people who are assigned to your destiny, they're missing out. Mm. And that's what's humbled me to say, Shay, it's not about you. Mm. Yes, God has done what he's done for me, but he doesn't just do it for one person. It's for multiplication where mm. what he's done with me, he wants to pour it out to other people out there. Mm-hmm. God is not selfish. Mm. You know, whatever he does for us, he wants us to extend it to other people around as well. Mm. We are just the vessel. So mm. the way I see it now is that I'm available for god to use me in the way he 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 de- he desires me to mm. um desires the way he desires to use Jeez me you. basically mm. so yeah so i'm hoping that this year I'll be a little bit more i'll be a bit more active on social media um because i feel like so. i sat down and listened to a tedx talk man i can't even lie like really you, you can't just be doing podcasts you're beyond podcasts oh, like seriously gosh. well i hope that i pray by his grace that i'll be able to step out a bit more this year and do a bit more to kind of help people mm. and just share my journey and just help people st- start that journey of healing and heal well Mm. i'm so passionate about people healing well Mm. like yes healing comes with pain but the result of the pain that you go through when you heal is better than the result of the pain that you went through Mm. you know what i mean you become a better person from Mm. it so i can see why people don't do it because they don't want to experience pain again but growth requires pain Mm. change requires pain everything Mm. that you see good has gone through a process yeah we have to go through a process too Mm. but if you're not willing to dig deep you're not gonna go down. You're not gonna be able to 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 blossom from a good place, you know. So I pray people that are listening are encouraged and Shoot, um, listen, if, are blessed. If they're not me, I'm encouraged. <laughs> I can't talk for anyone else. Like even me, that I'm so encouraged, man. No, but praise Jesus. Thank you so much for, you for coming. Ha- I know you drove me. far <laughs> to come here today, but um, no, girl, God, I'm so I am I'm so proud of you. Oh, thanks, I'm so yes, proud thanks. of you. I'm so proud, and I'm quite excited to see where God is going to take you to because Amen. your journey is unique to you, and as unique as it is to you, there's so yeah. many people out there that are going through it. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Or going through parts elements mm. of it that are experiencing some kind of abuse in the home. Yeah. Or, or experiencing rejection, yeah. whether it's rejection from your husband, your boyfriend, mm. your father, your mother, your friend. Yeah. That feeling of rejection can really leave a um, bitter taste in your life. And yeah. then we don't even know where we begin to breastfeed our children mm. the culture of rejection as well. Wow, Do you yeah, understand? But thanks for joining us in Thank the you Lounge for having Podcast. Me, Maria. Oh, girl, it's a pleasure. <laughs> I man. really enjoyed that, actually. It was it's quite a, nice. It's, very, it's, it's like I call this thing my therapy. It's like oh, therapy for me. I get to talk, I get to speak. <laughs> I don't get to do this at home. I get to talk for two hours <laughs> non-stop. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Oh, thank you but so, I'm so, so happy that you're here. So guys, oh, please you. stay tuned. Um, follow me on Spotify, The Lounge Podcast. Um, yeah, you guys know the deal. Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> share this. And please, guys, this message is a message that needs to be shared. And not because of me. I don't really care about me. I don't care if I have five followers or 500 followers. But I do feel like in this covid time where people are experiencing things that they never thought they'd be experiencing they need to have they need to know how to heal from trauma because everyone is low-key traumatic like Mm. traumatized Mm. everyone's low-key traumatized this year so please share this 
um, episode to your people. Um, boy, girl, man, woman, old, white, black, whoever, young, whoever, <laughs> just eight-year-old, whoever. <laughs> um, please share this. And I am praying for you and I will catch up with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.